Okay, welcome to Authentic Learning's last episode of the 2017-2019 school year. We've had many wonderful guests this year, and it's been a pleasure to end the year with a focus on, on well-being in schools and positive psychology. So my guest today is Andrea Downey, co-founder and director of Project Thrive, an organization that works to inspire and, and create ecosystems of well-being in schools, organizations, and communities, and promote well-being, health, and the building of resilience and adaptability in individuals and organizations. Andrea has been well immersed in the world of education, having been a classroom teacher, a school leader in the areas of well-being, learning enhancement, technology, gifted education, and a deputy principal. She has a strong passion for the well-being and optimal functioning of individuals and groups, and has presented regularly to networks of professionals on personalizing learning, metacognition, well-being science, neuroscience, and the application of positive psychology in education. Andrea, thank you for being here. Thanks, Glenn. So I'd like to start by getting your thoughts on what schools can do to create a more authentic learning journey for our students. It's a really good question. I think we talk a lot, Glenn, about personalizing learning and, and differentiating learning practices for students in schools. I think that what we're not necessarily doing well, and this comes back to the way that we're educating, uh, particularly in a lot of the Western world, is focusing enough on uh, those experiential learning experiences for students, making learning really purposeful, uh, engaging them in what they're interested in as well. So, uh, you know, we tend to deliver a curriculum that we believe that children uh, should be learning about, and that's been the way for a very long time. And in some respects, I think we've lost engagement along the way, which is so important. And we're not targeting their interest areas enough. We're not involving them enough in the process of actually coming up with what they are learning and how they learn as well. So coming back to more project-based learning, but taking it that step further, so making it really purposeful, making it really meaningful to them and completely immersing them in the whole process as we go is, I think, what we need to be uh, achieving. Great, great. And y your work at Project Thrive, it focuses on positive psychology. So can you speak a bit about how you feel schools can bring this to the individual student as well as to the wider school community? Yeah, sure. So yeah, the area that I've certainly been doing a lot of learning um, and, and work and research in is positive psychology. Uh, in Australia and in the States, parts of the world, we call that in education, positive education. So it's basically the application of positive psychology. Uh, so it's very much about how we cultivate optimal functioning uh, students, but also staff in the community, because we know it's all very interconnected. Uh, I guess the field, is, in some respects, has focused very much on the individual to date, so it's how we cultivate wellbeing and cultivate conditions for people to thrive. But at the moment, at the University of Melbourne, we're actually working on bringing that out to a systems approach, so uh, considering how everything interacts, how everything integrates. And I always come back to uh, Dan Siegel's model of integration. So he talks a lot about integration being the basis of mental health and that integration is basically about, um, you know, things like honouring our differences, cultivating compassionate communication, um, integrating even the left and right sides of our brains, the processes or the things that we do to actually create that. And positive psychology, the science at the moment, really is the, the research that's underpinning how, what is it that makes somebody thrive and perhaps somebody else uh, 
languish in different situations. So we talk a lot about things like positive emotions, the importance of eliciting those, um, and how they actually build enduring resources like resilience, uh, joy sparks the urge to play, and how we need to make sure that in the classroom, but also in the school environment, we're getting more of those in. And we talk a lot about engagement, um, things like relationships and meaning are probably the two most important ones. Um, in particular, in, in the Western world, I can speak for, I think we've lost a lot of that eudaimonia. So that, that meaning, that purpose in our lives, we've moved away from that tribe mentality. We've become so concerned with constructing ourselves as individuals. Uh, so we call that hyper-individualism, that the pendulum's almost swung too far. We're so concerned with constructing ourselves that way now that we've kind of disconnected from the tribe or that sense of belonging that actually cultivates meaning and purpose. We've kind of lost that a little bit um, through, through that practice. So relationships and meaning are particularly important. Uh, we also know that achievement, having little successes or things we're proud of in our lives is really important. So it doesn't have to be a big success but how can we actually you know cultivate and and savor that when it occurs as well and then looking at the health component as well so you know moving regularly eating well um, and, and sleeping deeply so it's all the elements that basically create optimal functioning individuals yeah that's a wonderful thought and you know you mentioned uh integration being such a key part of that and and like you say it's it's so important to start with yourself to get yourself, you know, emotionally, psychologically, physically sustainable, so to speak, and then branch out to your community, right? But I, I agree with you. I think there's been too much of a pendulum swing toward just the individual, and that integration is key. And one area that I think we've seen that here at Green School is there's a lot of talk about what's the magic of Green School, right? You come here, and it's a beautiful campus, and there's joyful music, and the students are obviously happy and having a blast, and you see great relationships between the students and the teachers and the students themselves. And and for me, that's the key to the magic. There are so many components, but but everybody really feeling like they're part of something, and, and most importantly, that they can be themselves. They don't have to try to be something else to belong. Um, I feel we were really fortunate when we first opened because our first batch of students were largely students that were struggling at other schools on the Bali. Um, Bali. And <clears throat> so be it academically, be it socio-emotionally, be it behaviorally, they were just kind of struggling at the other schools and not feeling great. And, and they and their parents thought maybe this different educational model will be a better way. And so I think that's part of it, that this different educational model helped them a lot. But I think what was really key is they all came here feeling like they weren't fitting in. And so they were all just really willing to accept everybody as they are, where they were, just, just a real acceptance and a culture of acceptance took root here early and it stayed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's funny. It's not cool to be part of any certain crowd at green school. It's cool to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, that's just the most magical thing about being here. Yeah. And that was, it's really interesting you said that then, cause that was very obvious. I was really lucky last week to be here for the, the Greenstone projects, watching the year 12s and each of those talks were, were incredibly phenomenal but one of the things that really struck me that I noticed on the day is the genuine admiration that they had for each other when the students finished talking you know they all got around each other they were all very supportive they were all very encouraging and you don't see that often with year 12 students it was it was very obvious that there was a lot of care and concern for each other by their fellow students so that's yeah something that you very it's very obvious here great so project thrive you guys emphasize <clears throat> having 
empathy and compassion for ourselves and for other human beings as, as very crucial and, and that it can be taught. So can you speak a little bit about why you feel it should be such a crucial focus of schools and, and how you feel that it can be taught? Yeah, absolutely. I think leading empathy leads to compassion, um, as you would know. And I think that at the moment when we don't have empathy for another human being, that's where we actually see a lot of conflict. We see a lot of divide. We see a lot of disconnect when we can't step into the shoes of somebody else and imagine how that feels for that person. It's not taking on their experiences and it's very different to sympathy, but it's being able to basically step into their shoes of another person, understand their thoughts, their feelings um, and their behaviours. And I think when we can cultivate empathy uh, within humans, then we're going to have a much more integrated, peaceful race where people are going to be more inclined to help each other, um, understand each other, not take on other people's stresses as well be able to downshift a little bit better because we know that you know that just might be the situation that that person's in at any given time uh, in teaching empathy and I, I strongly believe it can be taught from a, a young age I think that we need to help people understand the differences in others so it's, it is about honoring that differences and honoring diversity as well you know research shows that we are we're more um, attracted to or more inclined to go and talk to someone who looks similar to ourselves but it's about teaching, uh, starting from young, teaching people about one, once, uh, first and foremost, labelling their own emotions, being able to put labels on those. A lot of children in, in Australia, and I keep coming back to Australia because that's where I've you know, done a lot of my research, but a lot of children in Australia cannot even label their own emotions that they have. Now, if you can't label your own emotions, it's impossible to label an emotion in somebody else. And if you can't label an emotion in somebody else, then it's impossible to have empathy for that person. So starting with labelling your own emotions first, then being able to label emotions in others and have an understanding of maybe where that person's at is the first step to cultivating um, empathy. And then once we can cultivate empathy in others, then that, that leads to, to compassion. It kind of sparks that urge to help, to take action, to support uh, one another. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, I... My, my graduate program was Educating for Sustainability, and the mission of our school is to create a community of learners making our world sustainable. And the more I dig into it and the more I see examples here at school, the more I believe that, that the starting point and the key to it all is, is that personal sustainability and building that sustainable relationships with others, and then the rest just dominoes from there. So Project Thrive, you also speak a lot about the importance of mindset. Um, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I think look, mindset is a really important one that, uh, you know, we tend to, to miss a, a bit in education. Uh, we talk a lot about the importance of paying attention, uh, mindfulness practices, you know, and we're using apps to do that a lot where I think we, if we think about the ecological divide that we currently have, we could actually be utilising nature more so to engage better with mindfulness. But our mindset, when we talk about actually being able to pay attention we expect children to pay attention we expect them to concentrate but we never actually teach them how to pay attention what does that process look like one of my favorite neuroscience phrases is where our attention goes neural firing flows and neural pathways grow so if we're focusing our attention in the right areas we know we're going to actually grow neural pathways in in the right way so be it focusing on things outside of ourselves like sustainability you know, being, being more aware of actually where we're putting our attention. And really, we should think of my, mindset as a continuum. 
you know, we don't have just two mindsets. I know Carol Dweck's got a lot of great work around fixed and growth mindset. We use those terms a lot in positive psychology. Um, but we also know that that mindset, you know, it's a continuum. There's lots of different mindsets that we have and really it's, it's, we should view it almost as brain energy. But where we're focusing at that attention, I think, is particularly important. And being aware of that from a really young age, teaching that to children in schools, um, you know, where, where we're focusing th those th that attention is particularly important. Yeah, I agree. And, they, and uh, when you think about neuroplasticity and, and the fact that you can change those neural pathways, right? Because they do. And especially when, when we get to be my age, I won't speak for you. But some of those pathways have deep, deep ruts, right? And But even still, I've found that... You know, we're always improving, and I've been able to change some neural pathways with the right focus and attention and the right mindset. So if we can teach our students that when they're, when they're still 5, 6, 10, 12, 16, 17 years old, then whew, Absolutely. we'll be doing great, right? Yeah. yeah, the fact that we know throughout the whole lifetime now we can grow new neural pathways through you know, activity is, is quite amazing to think 20 years ago we didn't believe that or we didn't have that knowledge or understanding that that was actually the case is... Um, yeah, is, is, is really important. Wonderful. Andrea, I can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, we are really blessed to have you visit during our Greenstones and still be around and, and agree to come on to Authentic Learning. And uh, we wish you all the best and, and hope that Greenschool still keeps a connection with Project Thrive. I, our work is, is very kindred in relation. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. No, it's been an absolute, an absolute honour to, to be here. One thing I did want to add. Sure, please. And you can edit this part. Um, is really, I think, one of the, the most important skills that, that I miss that we should really be teaching children is around that adaptability. Mm. And I think it's great that it's a real focus of, of the skills that you, you know, try to teach here or you, you are teaching here. Um, in Australia, I guess one of the things that people want to learn about the most or hear about the most is resilience. And there's a really big problem with that because we're not seeing resilience as multifaceted, which it should be. And a lot of resiliency programs, the way they're being taught, are actually not working as well. So we know that they're actually not being quite effective. Uh, I think that when we teach adaptability, which is the ability to adjust to new conditions or new situations, it's much more powerful in terms of if we talk about resilience, there's a bit of a problem with that um, being able to bounce back quickly. So we're not letting children sit with discomfort. We're not letting children, you know, know that negative emotions are a fundamental part of life and a part of almost building resilience over time. So we, we talk about resilience as really being emergent property of systems that have access to resources that can then adapt to environmental adversity. So that's really how we should be viewing uh, resilience instead of aiming to teach children resilience, let them develop it, but we should be aiming to teach them adaptability, which is... Oh, that's wonderful. I wouldn't dream of editing that out. <laughs> and, you know, it's great. One of our green school skills is adapt, right, with the tagline of Ben like bamboo. And it's almost become a joke between, between the faculty here. When, whenever something comes up, we're like, oh, we'll just bend like bamboo. But, but you know, we, we say it half chidingly, but mostly with a smile and mostly like, yeah, you know what? This is life. Life is adapting. Life is bending like bamboo. And if we can model that for our students, then then again, we're, we're doing them well and, and we're setting them on the right path. Mm. And that's another thing I love about our learning programs to not be wedded to exams and certain amount of content that has to get in, that we have that time to set up projects that, that might not work, that might fail, but, but that we can adapt and figure out why it failed and try again and, and slow that all down and, and really focus on what matters. Yep. Fantastic. Again, thanks so much, Andrea. 
Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, enjoy your rest of your time on Bali, and uh, we'll certainly stay in touch with Project Thrive. Great. Thank you. Thanks.